welcome to the uh, uh, TTRPG Freelance Mentorship Program um, podcast series. I am Crystal Mazer. I am the host, and we are going to be talking today about imposter syndrome. First off, a brief overview of our series. Um, our goal of this series is to help those who are interested in freelancing or are curious about how freelancing works, who struggle with certain parts of freelancing, or who want to connect with other writers to kind of find a community, get some information, and find other people that they can reach out to to talk about this type of stuff or listen to some of the experiences that other writers have had. Our recent episodes um, include a writer interview with Monica Valentinelli, as well as the writing process where we talk about what you can expect as a writer and how that works in the grand scheme of things of writing uh, tabletop RPGs. Today, we have our guest, Chris Handley. Hello. Michelle Friel. Hi. And Kennedy. Ooh. All right, on to news. All right, so um, I'm just going to go right down the line in our show notes. So, uh, Chris, what's oh. your news that you have? Oh, there's loads. Um, so, uh, obviously, let's start with podcast stuff, because if you're listening to this, then you mostly follow the Darker Days stream. So Mike and I recorded the latest Dark Hammer. So we covered um, uh, Corn, the Curse God Corn, and how to play as Cornate Cultists. They're not all complete psychopaths, but, you know, they are. Um, which means we're going to cover Slanesh soon. Uh, I am trying to get my um my head out of uh where it is right now with i'm busy with so much stuff in my day job uh we will start dark iron which will be the podcast series like dark hammer but for the iron kingdom setting related to that chillcon is literally days away literally next next week uh and i will be there running demos of war machine fourth edition which is obviously a iron kingdom setting war game uh also warhammer fest is end of april and i'll be at that in a non-official capacity walking around so say hi that's obviously in Ma that's in manchester and is uk manchester uk uh that's you know warhammer stuff i know cubicle 7 are going to be there speaking of cubicle 7 uh books that have been out recently threat assessment xenos which is basically a beastry book for uh wrath and glory which i write for um, coming up soon is Eldari, Inheritance of Embers, which is a player-facing book. So it's, do you want to play Eldari? This is the book for you. Uh, following that, coming up is Vow of Absolution, which I wrote for, which is the Absolver... Well, no, it's the play, player-facing Space Marine book, but with a heavy focus on the Absolver chapter, who are the poster boys superhumans whatever uh of of uh, of space marines in the gilead sector um and then i did some work for cult i did my, my first piece of cult i've done my first bit of work and i've handed that in for uh green ronin on something and nightmare empire is about to ship to everyone so that's the iron kingdoms um rpg which is basically do you want do you want to play undead yeah okay there you go um and coming up is the Deep Wild uh, Kickstarter for Private Press for the Iron Kingdom setting. That is basically, do you want to play Gator Men? And they're no longer called Gator Men, they're Gator Folk. So we have retconned 
as always, lots of stuff which were just kind of like eh, in previous editions because it is an old setting. Uh, and I've written like a whole massive scenario. It's a road trip. There are Pharaoh, and the theme is ecological horror. Um, that's it for me. So, so basically, I'm giving you my paycheck from this point forward. There's so many books there that I really like. So, <laughs> do I just make it up well, to you? Um, no, I wish. I wish. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Like, uh, Threat Assessment Xenos was fun because I basically got to write um, about cheese stealer cults, oh. which is kind of ick. It's kind of ick. Um, but, like, having to do it tastefully. Yeah. I can imagine, because uh, I know there are going to be people listening to this who don't play Warhammer who are like, why is it ick? And then just just don't Google it. If it's not something you're into, just... Mm. I think Chris will do a great job, though, of making it, like, you know, better. But just just so you know. But that's that's a lot of really awesome stuff. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been a mental last six months. Uh, Michelle, about some uh, news from you. Uh, I have a lot less news. Uh... <laughs> Um, so I have a erotic romance alter pseudonym and my latest book in his tendrils, uh, just came out at the beginning of March for that. And then I freelance for wet ink games and our, um, psychic kids RPG is on Kickstarter right now. Uh, you play kids in the nineties with psychic powers, escaping from the Institute trying to find a, a you know safe place i have been following some of the mechanics um uh discussions on that and i am so looking forward to seeing how that works with the plus one system i we always try with each game we try to add new uses for the system so yeah. it'll be interesting I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, and congratulations on your um, your romance novel, too. Um, that's always awesome to see um, and get to promote. So, uh, Kennedy. All right. Um, so I've also had a really busy last couple of months. Um, we're just wrapping work on the My Little Pony uh, Friendship is Magic Roleplay game. Um, super excited for that. Um, I think it's going to be really clever. And it's definitely one of those games where I would guarantee you everyone will have fun when you play it. Um, I've even seen people who are like died in the world D&D players who just go nuts with it. Um, but uh, I've also been working on Power Rangers and uh, the book um, A Jump in Time, which covers time traveling in the Power Rangers universe. Uh, that'll be coming out sometime in the next three months. Um, and then over with Star Trek Adventures, we just wrapped uh, Utopia Planitia. That's already out to people. Um, and that covers um, starships and how you can make the starship just as much a character uh, in the party as each individual player. Um, and then over with independent stuff, um, uh, I've also worked with wedding games recently. Uh, Heckin' Good Doggos is out to backers, and I got to see it at PAX Unplugged, so that was really cool. And then uh, Stage Terrorism, which is uh, me and Mike Myler's uh, tribute to Venture Brothers, uh, is doing pretty well. So if you want a game about, you know, uh, failing forward, is the best way to describe it. Uh, I definitely recommend checking it out. And then uh, upcoming, I'm going to be the gaming guest of honor for In Conjunction in July. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, that was actually my first convention. Awesome. 
Um, okay, and then um, for me, personal news, um, cool name um, goes here, RPG, uh, which was on Kickstarter, has funded, is done, and we are going to be starting work on it in the next couple of weeks. Um, and that is going to be, that is um, through Mark Tassin and his company. Um, it is actually going to be, once we are done developing it, it is going to be put out for as a uh, free OGL for anybody who wants to use it within the community. Um, and that's going to be in perpetuity. We cannot take that back once it's done. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what Mark comes up with and helping him kind of develop that um, into a really cool system that you can put a whole bunch of different genres into, um, which is very similar to what I do with the PIP system. Um, <laughs> um and so um with the pip system we are going to be with our next uh primer in the next couple of weeks and i will be hiring on for another set uh another primer run on that if you are listening to this and you are interested please reach out to me so i can get you the form to fill out because i follow i keep everyone's information um and i will send you that form um you can get my contact information at the end and i will have it attached to uh this podcast uh black ballad which is through uh storyteller forge games a publishing company um that is on kickstarter currently it has funded i um i did the design work for the um purgatory poker um, and hopefully we'll be writing some of the stretch goals um, or writing further within the world. Um, there's plans for other things on there, um, but it's very exciting to be working on that as well. Um, and then as far as conventions coming up, um, I have GaryCon in the next couple of days. This is probably actually going to be after <laughs> this, this episode is going to come out after I've been at GaryCon. Um, Hopefully, before I get to C2E2, though, I will be at both of them. Um, so if you are going to be in the area for either of those, um, then uh, reach out. Uh, if you see me at a con, please feel free to say hi. We're going to move on to our main topic then. Okay, so I'm going to actually have everybody introduce themselves and like how they got into gaming or freelancing and um, anything else that they kind of want to talk about that you feel is important for um, understanding like your connection to imposter syndrome and stuff like that. Um, so to start for me personally, um, I got asked to write a kid's scenario for a open license game. Um, called First Fable, and I wrote a horror, a haunted house scenario for Halloween, um, and that kind of got me in touch with uh, the person who hired me on for Pip System, which is Aloy Lasanta, um, and he hired me on for that. And from there, it kind of steamrolled into a whole bunch of different things. Um, and uh, my personal connection with imposter syndrome is that I feel it all the time. Because I don't come from a writing background, I come from an education background, and I, while I'm good with math and stuff like that, I, I always feel like writing, I love writing mechanics and stuff, but I always feel like I do it wrong, I always feel like I, I, I get noticed when I shouldn't be noticed, it's kind of like this, I have this weird connection with imposter syndrome um, that I want to talk about a little bit further on, but yeah, so 
it's something that I continue to struggle with. Um, who would like to go next? I'll jump in then. Um, oh god, I mean, if everyone's you know been listening to Dark Days long enough, then obviously that's part of the story. Um, I mean, that goes all the way back to knowing up darker days radio and podcasting um and i guess in this day and age streaming is a good way of showing that you know a game or a setting so that you will get noticed uh that's how i got into writing for private press um but really my first writing gig was kind of similar uh and that was through Again, being on the right forums, knowing the setting well enough, and that's when I got hired for uh, by oh, who was it at the time? Red Brick Publishing. So they got they became Faster Two Point um, essentially, uh, and I got hired to to write and co-design. Uh, this wasn't an RPG, this, this is a war game, um, Noble Armada 3rd Edition, which is the uses the setting of um, the Fading Suns RPG. So that entire... that Again, that's a huge amount of mechanics. Um, and yeah, imposter syndrome turns up a lot, because again, like Crystal, I don't come from a writing background. I am a previously been an academic you know scientist and then there's plenty of imposter syndrome in that field and then now as a senior software engineer in commercial software design again there's plenty of imposter syndrome there uh that i have um and i guess the biggest kind of case example which we can get into of where i've had imposter syndrome is when i was interviewing andy chambers and we were chatting about Battlefleet Gothic, and he just released um, Drop Zone, Drop Zone, no, Drop Fleet Commander, which again is another spaceship battle game. And there's me going like, ah, nuts! Is uh, is mine even going to compare? Like, what am I doing? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, it's always weird to come into writing from someplace else, right? Like especially like coming from the academic or like I'm a teacher and even teachers get imposter syndrome, especially when they feel like they can't teach their kids or their kids aren't learning. Um, so yeah, I, I feel that so much. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Uh, who would like to go next? I will. Okay. So I'm coming at it from the opposite direction. I spent 10 years trying to become a horror writer uh, and going through the slog of learning how to market, learning how to court agents, uh, having a couple of magazines and, and such, you know, a couple of publications there um, and just not getting very much headway. Uh, so I spent a lot of time with imposter syndrome there because Horror, of course, is very much a old white boy network, and um, that still is true in many cases. Um, and when they resoundingly say that they don't really want your input, that you're a woman, you should go write girly stuff, um, that, that wears on you. Uh, so I had pretty much stopped trying for a while. 
when I ran into Brandon, literally at the grocery store. I had went to high school with him. He runs wedding games. Um, and he pretty much said, oh, I've been meaning you still do writing, right? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, well, I want you to write something for me. And of course I figured, well, this is, you know, this is not the kind of thing I usually write. There's no way he's going to want what I produce here. I understand. I have the opposite of you, Crystal. I don't like the numbers when it comes to writing systems. Um, I like the more creative writing aspect. And when it comes to the numbers, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Um, so that that leads to a lot of when you're telling me, you know, hey, I need you to come up with this new concept, this new way to use these dice. I'm like, I'm not smart enough for that. I'm just not. Um, but that he introduced me to more people like you. <laughs> and that led me to just feeling more at home in the freelancing, in the role playing world than I ever felt in the genre world. Brandon, Brandon has a way of reaching out to people and pushing them to get more and more creative. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, at some point, I will have uh, Brandon on over here to talk about stuff for wedding games and stuff like that. So um, he is hopefully coming up soon with um, our uh, scheduling program. So. All right. Uh, Kennedy. Um. Uh, yeah, just I started writing uh, back in college. Um, I still remember the days when we had to mail in our submissions, which is just, that was a lot of shipping, a lot of postage notes. Um, it's just, it, it's weird to imagine how things have changed in 20 years. Um, uh, I've always loved writing. My mom was a teacher, so um, she would frequently take away, like, you know, TV and computer time. Um, and then she would go to courage just to be like, okay, you can play outside. Be like, oh, but we can't do anything outside. It's raining. Oh, why don't you write a story? Why don't you do this? And um, just when I got to uh, college, um, people just kept telling me that they liked my work. Um, so I thought about, you know, the one thing that got me out of my shell as a kid and made me really passionate to learn, and that was role-playing games. And uh, from there, I just started reaching out to people who were having open calls, and I started. Um, just applying myself and trying um and yeah it's it's funny because you know we're talking about like you know imposter syndrome and uh it's weird because like i get to work on some really cool properties which is really awesome um but then there are just times when i'll just hear something i'll be like oh i wish i was on that and it's like oh but you can't you're too busy with these amazing things but in my brain i'm going yeah but i could add a fifth or a sixth project to march i could do that right and the answer is no, but uh, it, it really is just one of those things where, um, as a 20 year veteran of this industry, um, it still hits. Um, and I, there are ways to deal with it, there's ways that I cope with it that I'll share with the audience. Um, but then there are just times when, like, even after I've had some successes, like, you know, my brain, you know, the, the greedy part of my brain is always like, yeah, but we could have more. And then the other part of my brain that's very, like, full of anxiety and everything is like, we can't have more. We suck. And so it's a very common occurrence, and it's a, a constant demon that everybody's going to be contending with throughout their careers. Yeah. Um, I actually, like, you helped me through one of my most, my big, one of my biggest imposter syndrome moments. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that that was uh, at the Emmys in 2018. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where, like, we, where, where we knew we were getting a, an award. <laughs> like, it had already been given us because it was a judge's award. It wasn't even one of the voting ones. And I was like, no, no, I don't deserve to be here. And you were like, nope, you absolutely do. You need to, you know, be right here. And you're going to go up and you're going to talk. And you're going to accept this award. And, yeah. It... <laughs> so... I still remember the look of surprise <laughs> on your face because uh, it, it was tradition with Third Eye Games where if we ever won an award, um, I would splurge and get everybody a medal if you showed up to the Indies. And um, I remember uh, you were on stage and your picture taken. And I was just like, hey, Crystal, you forgot something. I just flung this medal at you from across the room. Which I, I think I should have waited until I had your attention fully because I think I just pelted you with a piece of metal out of nowhere. <laughs> I I, I saw it coming <laughs> out of the corner of my eye. I might have been blinded by lights at, at for a little bit, but yes, no, I did see it coming. Um, okay, so we've all kind of talked about experiencing imposter syndrome. So, like, let's define it because, like, it can mean different things to uh, to different people. Um, but overall, there is like there is cohesion to it. It's just a matter of putting it into words. So um, who would like to try and take a stab at it and kind of get this discussion going on here? Um, I can go uh, initially because I just literally brought up the Wikipedia definition and I was like looking at this and I was like, oh, okay. Because like, I think if I, I can definitely say it for, um, initially from like an academic point of view because perhaps that's the place where of all places, you're mostly going to feel it. Perhaps in that environment, you might feel it, like, really... Um, it's very vis It's a very visceral feeling. And I'm, and from that, we can mostly extrapolate it in, in freelance writing and in gaming. So, yeah, Impostodrome, apparently, uh, the definition via Wikipedia is... The psychological appear occurrence in which people doubt their skills, talents, and accomplishments, and have a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as frauds. And I think even that single sentence at the top of the article in Wikipedia contains a lot. Now, that I think that last bit of being exposed as frauds is is the thing where I say that is what I mean as being very a very tangible feeling, at least from my academic background, because I think when when you're making a product, right, and it goes out in the world and people buy it, you know, they should buy it. And if you're working on established products, you know, you're kind of sharing the load on that kind of feeling. That I find personally a bit easier to deal with rather than in academic from an academic background because when you write a paper with which explains your latest finding and your theories and your explanations of it, it goes out into the world and it hits peer review. And peer review is literally someone someone coming along and going, you know what you've said, that's crap. You need have have you done this? You should have done this. That's not right. And then that is literally someone basically going, "You're rubbish." And there are people out there. There are people in that entire field that that experience that 
they get a kick out of doing that as well. And it's one thing to write a paper, then it's another thing to go to a conference and present your results. And there are, you have no idea that the people may have reviewed your paper. They are in the audience, ready to take you out. They are assassins with, with the word professor at the start of their names. And then you might want to apply for some funding because you want to be an independent researcher and your work is going to be reviewed. And now, now it's even worse because it's not just you putting out your work to go, this is what I discovered. That's cool. I've contributed to the body of science out there. They're going to go around and go, oh, that's a very good idea. You've done all that work, but we don't think it deserves any money. Or we don't think you should be researching that. So that is where my experience of it is at its like worst. Fortunately, I would say it feels sometimes a bit less in gaming, but again, there are times and this has happened working on private press stuff where I'm not really the most experienced person with 5e and there are some there are fans out there who know the systems backwards and forwards and of course of course you've written the wrong bloody rules for something and they are going to let you know but there are ways of dealing with it so that's where i feel i hope that gives some examples of how i've come across you know imposter syndrome and uh in a very direct way and i'm sure people have similar feelings and experiences yeah Definitely. Um, I know that in in the fiction writing in the publishing world, there's there's actually two tiers of people. There's writers and then there's readers and readers read a lot of books and and like a lot of different things and are open to a lot of new things. But writers, they get stuck in the these this idealization of the successful writers that came before and then you find yourself getting sucked into this entire mind twisting if I'm not as winning these certain awards if I'm not being published by these certain magazines these certain um, uh, publishers then I'm just I'm not actually worth anyone paying attention to I'm really glad to have not found that same thing in the role-playing world. Like, well, I've never had to present anything in front of a uh, room full of, like, you know, people with, like, professor in front of their name. Although I will say Professor Assassin and Dr. Assassin sounds incredible. So I'm just saying I'm probably going to steal that for a book in the future. Um, but no, um, it can, even on a small scale, like, it can be anxiety-inducing trying to share your work with people um like uh i remember one of the most harrowing moments of my career was going to uh one of my nephew's career days and trying to explain to kids you know and adults in the room but it's like well yeah i make four games but you know it's not just you know playing pretend yes it is a real job people did pay me for it and kids just would constantly be like oh did you work on fortnite you didn't work on fortnite oh so you wasted time basically which is what one of the kids said to me, and the kid was like ten. So, um, and that can that can hurt because at first you laugh it off and you tell people and everyone laughs, but then at night you're lying in bed, um, and you're just going, "Man, 
but there's a 10-year-old out there. Don't really know his name, didn't catch it, thinks I'm kind of bad at what I do. Well, if a 10-year-old thinks that, then there's probably 11, 12, 25, 30-year-olds every age that doesn't like what I do. And that's kind of where like, you trick yourself up the most because it's all these imaginary audiences. Um, the imaginary auditorium full of all the people who don't like your work, in theory. And then your brain starts to replace these faceless figures with like colleagues, family members, friends. Um, and so then it's sort of like, you know what, if a 10-year-old doesn't think that I do that great of a job, well, I bet Brandon was wedding games. One of my closest friends, by the way. I bet he thinks I suck. And your brain just, especially if you have anxiety like I do, uh, your brain will just go in circles and your stomach will just turn itself in knots just because you created this, this entire field of people who don't like you. And, you know, in the day of the internet, you know, people will let you know they don't like your work pretty quickly. Um, you know, one-star reviews and bad Reddit threads and everything, they're very common. But it's, I think it's the people that we make up in our own heads. Um, it's not a bad thing. Like, you always should try to think about your audience will think. But sometimes you just can't help but think about that your audience is just automatically going to hate you no matter what you do. Yeah, I think that um, sometimes when we are perceived as bigger than we actually feel, that's where, like, that's where it hits me the hardest because... Um, and and it happened to me recently with uh, when Cool Name RPG dropped, and they announced that we were um, the all of the developers that were consulting on there, and a whole bunch of people were like, "Oh my god, that's like an amazing lineup of people!" And in my head, I'm like, "Yeah, everyone on there except for me is really awesome." <laughs> and, uh, like, I just automatically deleted myself out of that conversation because. I didn't want to be placed on that pedestal in my brain or like, I didn't believe I should have been placed on that pedestal. Um, and it was really like, it, it was a personal thing for me. I did, I did like put a stat, like talk a little bit about it as like a personal thing. Like this was something that I just personally wrestled with. Um, and it was, and, and like, I didn't place the burden of that on anybody else, but yeah, like, just trying to even, like, figure out, like, what a definition is without actually looking it up is really hard. Because you're like, I feel, I feel like a fraud, or I feel like I don't belong here. Um, but why or, or the how or anything like that is really, really hard to put a finger on. No, I was going to say, I think a lot of it, um, as is because we move the goalposts on ourselves. So we accomplish something, but since we did it, and that means anybody else could do it, um, my day job is uh, at a veterinary clinic. And uh, I do a lot of blood drawing, tubing animals, performing procedures like dental scalings and stuff like that. And I still, still to this day sit down sometimes and ask myself how many blood draws do I have to do before I feel like I'm actually a professional at this like because I do it it must be easier than than other people realize because it I couldn't do it if it was difficult I get that a lot too where it's kind of like 
I don't know. I'll write something. Like recently, with like My Little Pony, we've been doing a lot of adventures and a bunch of cool books are on the horizon. And Renegade moves at a swift pace. And then there are times when I just I'll sit in the room and I'll contribute ideas. But then I'll be like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm here because I've tricked my way here, or I'm in this room because I've surrounded myself with really really nice people, and they needed a filler, so I'm the filler. But you know what? I would just nod, smile politely, and. They all want me here because we're friends, but I'm the mm. one that's really holding the back. I think the worst thing which hit me recently, and I think this ties into, you know, it's when you set your goalposts, it's also about how you're comparing yourself to other people, because part of imposter syndrome is also realizing how other people, what the route that other people are to get to the same stage. And sometimes that's realizing that some people just cheated at life by having a lot of cash to mess around and dabble and that's how they get into that or in this day and age of social media where you know oh they're a writer how come they're writing and they're also doing this thing as streaming and they're also apparently also an actor and they're also doing a podcast and they're doing this that and the other you're like thinking because in this day and age, you know, personality apparently counts more than um, the ability of skill and being professional and delivering things on time. And I often have to reflect on that on that thing of what we see in gaming. And I think in an and then I go back to in academia, it's like if you did half the crap of what people do in the gaming circles, you would get sacked on the spot and you would be ostracized. No one would want to work with you because you could be actually quite good at what you do, but if you're awful to work with, that's not happened. So part of how I reconcile imposter syndrome in gaming, at least, is to think about, or at least in creative endeavors, is often thinking about, well, they kind of, how they got there is not, I, you know, you have to understand that not everyone's process of getting there is the same. Some people have been through even more than you have to get to that stage, and some people have done very little and somehow are getting thrown every opportunity. But what happened to me, which drove it home and I had to reflect on it, was that, um, and this is this gets really close to the bone and it's like, you know, because it's like related to previous relationships and the said person is involved with someone that I used to be involved with and they used to at one point write on a certain game line that uh, series of games which I'm now involved in but they don't write anymore and it was on a conversation on Facebook and it was about that book and he went uh it's a bit over the top I don't really like it I'm just gonna rewrite it all and I was like for a minute I was like so you're basically saying what I worked on was crap even though I work with someone who in gaming circles is a legend who was on that book and then i thought for a bit well you didn't work on it when was the last time you put a book out i work with a team it's a team effort yeah so what you know it's just like you have to kind of look at that response and then push yourself away and realize that what you do is actually with a team and you wouldn't be in that team if they didn't want you in the first place so yeah, that's that's the thing. You have to look at it that way. And once you do all that, you go like, yeah, okay, it's still good. If they didn't like it, that's one voice out of how many? Get out of my face. I've got better things to do. So I was going to refer to you, too. I was going to say, like Kennedy was saying earlier with uh, with having anxiety, you see people who are just naturally good at writing. Sometimes when it comes to like when it comes to fiction, I can just sit down and just 
get in that zone and write. But when it comes to writing game stuff and having to put mechanics and, and play in somebody else's sandbox, sometimes I sit down and I'm looking at the screen and I'm like, I know where I want to go with this, but I'm convinced that nobody else is going to like it. So sometimes a good portion of the effort is just just sitting down and getting started on it. And you see people, or you even know times when you yourself hit that mm. stride and you're really good at writing. And then you're like, I must not actually be a good writer if I'm sitting here struggling with the anxiety of just getting started. Yeah, and, and it can be tough. Like, I think one of the other things that we have to like kind of reconcile um, when you get into any industry is that there's going to be people who advance faster than you in a shorter amount of time. That's there, there's no like ifs, ands, or buts. It's going to happen. And I know that our brains will always create the most, you know, I mentioned worst case scenarios earlier. Um, we talked a lot about anxiety. Um, I think anxiety is very common with like writers because we always imagine ourselves in other people's heads. So we kind of take on their burdens too. And while I've never had to run from a dragon, I've certainly imagined how terrifying that would be. But there's always going to be people who, and I'm just putting that very bluntly, they're going to do better than you. That does not mean you suck. That is the key takeaway. And I actually thank like my therapist for getting me to realize that for many years. Um, and we always like to imagine it's for the pettiest, dumbest reasons. Like um, my brain will immediately go, oh, of course they did well. Well, they're friends with the owner of that company. That's how they got that project. That's why you that project and then i have to check myself because then i'm like oh so i'm creating a i don't know if you swear on the show but yeah a crappy reason uh um, in my own head and i'm denigrating someone who probably worked really really hard like my brain just immediately said oh well, they didn't hustle i hustle they can't possibly have hustled they can't possibly be better at this than i am and also even like i just caught myself right now i always measure things by metrics when it's like Oh, so they, they're a better writer than me. That's what you're saying. And I hope when I say these words, it's not just me exposing my, my inner petty demons, because um, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm hoping that there's going to be someone who hears this and goes, hey, you know what? I also had the same negative thoughts, and it's very common. Um, there are going to be people out there who are genuinely bad people, and they do advance pretty far. And our industry has seen you know, a lot of them. Um, every industry does. Um, but the truth is that there's just some people out there where maybe they hit their great hit and that's awesome. And then you get to enjoy a really awesome role-playing game. Um, like when we were talking earlier, like Chris is just talking about all the projects that he's on. I, I wasn't joking. Those are all like probably like when they all released, those are going to be like really high in my wish list of things to buy. So I can't say there's an easy solution for that either. And I assure you my advice for this is Fire podcast. It's not going to be. There's no hope. There's no cure. Deal with it. Sorry, Kelly. What what you were just saying about um about the hustle and everything and that and I think and this relates to coming coming back to you know my experience in academia and being like, well, why didn't I get this far along in the career and why haven't I finally you know why did I never get the funding and the and the papers out to get my independent research group together so I could be a lecturer. And I look back on that now and go, I'm glad I'm not, mm -hmm. actually. Um, <laughs> because of the stress. Um, but the point is, the point is, is that it, 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 you realise this from 
a science in sciences for sure is there is a huge amount of luck in this. Like you, you know, you have to realize that opportunities, there's an element of you're good at it. There's an element of, you know, the right people. There's an element of, you know, you, you had the right starting point in what you were doing. Like you had the opportunities already. You already had the hardware to do it. You already, you know, you were already embedded in it in the right way. So that it it was like an easy fit. So you fell into it and you just do it. But there's also just and related kind of to that is just pure luck. Like you can and this is the thing like with applying to um to write for like Onyx Path. I think I, I applied like three times and I had open calls since Oh, I guess it would go all the way back to about two thousand nine. And then finally I get to write on a V5 book and then for Changeling the Lost. And it's like, yeah, it does eventually happen. But that took ages. But then I compare to other companies and it's literally like I rock up to their table at UK Games Expo, talk their ear off. And they're like, right, you're going to work on Wrath and Glory. And I'm like, okay. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a huge amount of luck in this um, that, that you have to realise that both yourself will hopefully enjoy, but also others enjoy as well and that that just some people just get to roll the dice a lot and as we know a lot of people roll the dice a lot and they push their luck and you know things fall apart and you realize that there was an element of believing their own crap that kind of took over and they could be the most like mediocre person but they just have the most self-confidence and just ride that that wave Mm. and then there are other people who are really brilliant at what they do and then their own demons kind of tear them down where like they let their anxiety build and build and build. And then they're like, oh, I'm never going to release this game. You know what? I shouldn't release this game because it's awful. And it's like, that game could be amazing. We'll never know until it gets in people's hands. Mm. And it's, yeah. And um, luck is also a good way to describe it. And it's not to say that people won't have good luck. I like to believe that everybody's, you know, best chance is always around. Forever. Um yeah, that that cannot, that also explains why you know some people they just do so well. It's a lot of factors. Um, it's the jealousy will just eat you alive if you let it. And there are times when I've let it. Um, and it's really just something that you have yeah. to work on, and you have to accept that um, day one of getting into this industry, you're not going to get to work on like Call of Cthulhu or Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you might really want to, and that might be where you get to someday. But it's incredibly unlikely, um, barring certain circumstances, to get to do that. And it doesn't mean that you're bad. It just means that you've kind of got to put work into it. And for some people, it's you know maybe a few years, and then they're rocking out with like you know with the Onyx Pack crew at a convention, or it could be oh you know it took 15 years and I just published my first book. But that's kind of like the beauty of our industry, anyways, where you know it's a never say no. It's not if you've never created a game in the first year, you should just exit the industry in disgrace. It's more, no, just maybe it's just going to take a little bit more time. And then when it finally comes for you, it's going to be just really awesome. Yeah, I think one of the the interesting things about this industry is that um, overall, it feels like a lot of people within the industry actually feel imposter syndrome at one point or another. Um, and I, there was a couple of years ago where I was having a conversation, I think it was with Craig Campbell. 
um, where he was talking about imposter syndrome and how he was feeling. He's like an amazing game designer. If you have not purchased or looked into his books, please do so. Um, because damn, his some some of his stuff, especially good strong hands. Oh my god, that that book hits hard. Um, that game itself hits hard. Um, but he was talking about how um he feels imposter syndrome every once in a while and that's because he's isolated a lot of t- a lot of freelancers unless you work for paizo or watsi um y- you actually work from home <laughs> you work remotely um you do not work in a building you do not work full time um it is very rare for places to actually have you in a physical location together uh, Paizo and Watsi are the two that I know that are the most prevalent. I think I I want to say Darrington Press is also one that has some physical, like a physical building, but that's because it's critical role. Um, and they have a you know multi-million dollar budget for stuff like that. I think um Cubicle 7 has a fairly large office these days, and so if you're if you're a full-time employee then and you're you're going to be in there play testing um yeah so most of the time you're working alone you're working at home and the only time that you're meeting with people is on zoom or over discord or whatever the case may be um and you're or and you may be working during hours where everyone is sleeping <laughs> especially if you're working in a different time zone than where the de- developer of the book is um and that that happens with like cubicle seven over here or with you guys and anything over here um it it seems to be a more prevalent thing within our industry it also is something that i think we actually talk about more i think the biggest thing in general with people with um imposter syndrome is that a lot of people don't talk about it um, so I actually looked up there. There aren't actually a lot of studies on imposter syndrome to begin with. Um, it's something that has just been starting to be, um, uh, investigated in an actual clinical sense. There was a study done in the seventies about it. And they said that women, um, saw more imposter syndrome specifically when they worked outside of the home. Um, and that kind of tracks with um, the, the, the time and everything that was happening um, with the uh, women's movement and all of that stuff. Um, but the thing that they, they found out with um, some of the later ones, um, there's an article published in 2020, or, and... In it, it said that anywhere between 9% to 82% of people have felt imposter syndrome at one point or another in their own personal lives or at home or, or, or in work. Sorry, That's not at home. Massive in work. error bars. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I, I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of people actually don't understand what imposter syndrome actually is. Um, and they may feel like their inadequacy, like feeling inadequate in something is actually imposter syndrome. So, like, some of these statistics are just really wild. Um, 
some of them talk about how women actually don't have imposter syndrome. It's just people keep continue telling them that they can't do things and that we shouldn't be calling it imposter syndrome. Um, and, and so, like, there's a lot of conflicting information when it comes to this. I mean, that's, I was going to say, that's interesting. I mean, that's obviously an element which we, I guess, we haven't touched on much in this is that within imposter syndrome and about how you feel with your capabilities there's a whole host there's a whole mess of things linked in this to do with 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 where you are with regards to gender class ethnicity all those things like again and that comes back into when i said like you know i think it's the classic lines out of gravity falls where it's like dipper says that um uh, what to call her? Um, Pacifica Northwest is like she's cheating life. She's rich, um, you know. It's it, but that's the thing. It's like the there's so many elements which you know, you have to disentangle when you're comparing yourself to other people, and and this is actually the, and that's really important because if you're trying to, you shouldn't get into a rat race on this type of stuff because, you know don't think your way of succeeding is a a race to the bottom because we don't need that in our industry no 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 don't do that do not accept being paid two cents a word tell them to go jump and the other thing in this is what was i going to say um is also don't take on too much work like like literally like if if taking on loads of books you think writing is gonna you think oh that's the the way to the top that's a quick way of creating a lot of crap content that people and therefore you're not going to get rehired for things. I mean, and then if you've got a day job, well, then, you know, you've got to balance with that. So I'm, I, yeah, I now I'm almost at the point of where I go. I don't want to work on things because I'd rather work on something else and do that well and get paid more for doing less. And that's what we all want to do. We want to be paid more for doing less, but... I don't good. know. Like I said earlier, there are times when I'm just like, oh, I want to do all of it. Learn the hard way. You are very correct. Yeah, but we... we you, you've, but you cut... You, it is impossible to do everything. So you, you need to you need to pick and choose your fights to be the best. It's hard to set your goals realistically, things. though, because, you know, you, you're looking at... You're coming into... Uh, into this this forum and you're like oh well who's successful in my mind well you know uh, dungeons and dragons is successful i mean in the genre world stephen king's successful but you can't really can't compare yourself to those people um yeah like i i feel like like talking more about it is is actually going to be helping people because um, the reason why people don't talk about it is because they don't think they have it. And I think if you are naming it as imposter syndrome, you can name it as imposter syndrome as long as you need to. And if you realize eventually that it, it may not actually be imposter syndrome, it could be something else. That's okay to switch over to that and to, to go down that line of thinking. This, like, this is a very, very personal thing for a lot of people. And the reason why we're doing it in an open conversation is because like, I'm very open about this. I've had multiple conversations over across my social media about it. And so I'm very comfortable talking about it. 
And I want others to be comfortable to reach out if they're feeling this and they feel the need to be able to connect to a community that does have it um, and that they can see that that they're not alone. Well, that's, yeah, like, like what I was saying earlier, um, yeah, like, I hope that people hear our stories and they realize that I want it to be personal to them. I want them to actually be like, I want them to feel like they fit in. And it's not just fitting in when the times are good. It's fitting in when the times are bad, too. So I hope that people can look at it and they can just be like, oh, you know what? Hey, that the, the Crystal, like Crystal doubts herself sometimes. But Crystal does amazing work. So maybe I am just like Crystal in that maybe, you know, I do amazing work and I do doubt myself and I just have to keep at it. I think that it's, uh, especially with how exposed everything is nowadays on social media, I think it's a double-edged sword, but the good, the good side of the sword is you can have more understanding of other people's writing process and when other people are like yeah i feel like an imposter you're like oh oh me too maybe i'm not an imposter maybe that's a normal part of this process of learning and growing and and, and establishing a career definitely i think i think one of the big things about talking about imposter syndrome too is also making it clear how you want other people to respond. Like, do you need support in that moment? Are you just venting? Do you want sympathy or empathy? Do you want affirmation? I feel like making it clear too what you need while you're having that discussion is also going to make it less awkward for people to engage in that conversation as well. I think it as also as you start to um, have some success, it's important to talk about that as well because you're reaching down and telling other people, I also, you know, learn through what I have had to go through. But this is a normal part of developing that, that skill, dealing with your own doubt. And it never really gets easier. I mean, you learn new ways to cope with it, but you're you're still you'll still get your your own knees will cave out from under you uh, if you just don't take care of yourself. And really, that's also some of the best advice I can give somebody is be gentle with yourself. Um, like if you need that, if you need a break from writing, take a break from writing. Um, if you don't feel like something is working, you're putting like pen to paper. Step away for a few hours. Um, Actually, we talked about Stephen King earlier, and one of the best pieces of advice that I think he's I learned from him, because uh, I got to see him speak once, um, was that um, it was like, God, like 20 or 30 years ago now, um, he was struggling, because he had released all these great hits, and um, he was doing the, the Dark Tower series, and that was a really big introspective work of his, you know, going back and looking at his earlier works and making this fantasy setting. And he was starting to hit a grind where he knew the story, he knew what he wanted, but he couldn't get it out there. And um, he just turned to one of his old uh, friends for advice. And his friend said, have you tried writing something new? And Stephen laughed, but apparently he then was like, well, maybe I'm going to just take a brief break and I'm just going to work on something that I really, really, you know, want to try to be good at. And then maybe it'll work out. Um, however, he learned very quickly that the thing he wanted to work on, he was not good at. Um, and, uh, he, he would not elaborate further until he got to the end. He said that, uh, when people go through his mansion after he's long passed, they're going to open up his desk and they're going to find pages upon pages of poetry, romantic poetry. 
and they're going to realize that it was just Stephen King. Apparently, his forte is not romantic poetry, but he learned very quickly that if he tried to force himself to write something different, he would start to have ideas and daydreams, and he would and instantly storylines started to correct themselves in his head, and he got inspiration for going back and writing whole new chapters that helped move the book forward, and. Sometimes you really do need to step out of what you're trying to do and look at it objectively and then just remove your brain from the problem for a second. And the next thing you know, your brain will just get so bored, essentially. It'll be like, man, I'm just not good at love poetry, but I am really good at writing this, this, and this. So sometimes a break's good. A break doesn't necessarily have to be like a break from productivity or a break from writing. Um, I started out with horror, and when I got frustrated with that, I started writing romance because that was fun to read. And now I just sometimes I genre hop because because each thing invigorates me in a different way. So okay, so we've kind of um, defined what imposter syndrome means for us, and I want to talk just briefly about comparing it with something else that a lot of other people do um, experience, which is rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria, or RSD. It, and it, it happens a lot with um, individuals who have ADHD and, um, or autism. And it happens also with a, a whole bunch of other conditions as well. It's, um, it's when you experience a severe emotional pain um, because of something that you see as a failure or feeling of being rejected. And this is a little bit different than imposter syndrome. It can be supported in somewhat similar ways. So if you do suffer from this, um, please know that some of this advice will help. Not all of it. Um, you can also experience both of them at the same time. That is also a valid thing that happens. So I just want to talk a little bit briefly about the differences between the two, um, because I will say like my imposter syndrome, I don't actually feel like an emotional pain with it. I feel like a loneliness or, or I feel like I need to hide or something like that, but it's not like an emotional pain. Um, and it's, it, it's not a, a complete outright rejection. So I kind of want you guys to kind of have a little bit of input in this. Um, if you do, if you do actually have RSD, if you are comfortable sharing, um, you are welcome to do that. If you don't, that's okay too. But I just wanted to kind of touch upon this because this can also be something that someone may think is imposter syndrome, but it, it is something a little bit different. So, I feel like an important part of imposter syndrome is I am not skilled enough for this. I am not experienced enough. I do not have the education for this. No, that I, I sympathize with that a lot. We're just, just at times where I'm just not sure. And, you know, I think I kind of revealed my anxieties create a process earlier with imagining fields of people, fictional people, and possibly real people who don't like my work. But it's it's tough. Like just being really honest for a second, like I've had a like a, just a breakdown in the middle of writing where It'll be like 2 a.m. The deadline is like the next day. Um, I've written like 5,000 out of 10,000 words. And I can do a sizable amount of word count in a day, but now it's the last day to work on it. And I never want to be that writer that sends in my stuff at 11.59 p.m. on the day that it's due. 
because it feels like that's like a rule you're cheating somehow. Um, but yeah, it's so hard because you always like at those moments, things just build up for me. And um, I'll notice that like, especially when I start to get to what I call like tap happy, when I'm just like writing out words and I'm just trying to like, complete sentences and I'm like, okay, 75 more words and I've reached a full like 6,000. And then I'm just typing like, the pony jumped over the goal and everyone was happy and everybody said, good job, pony, you jumped over the pole. And it's just, I think what, what might help with people is also just like, remember the good parts about what you're doing. I mean, I know like my brain can very easily go from hot and cold, you know, for, for people who haven't heard of my work before, I have bipolar. So for me, my emotions can literally go like high and low at the same second. Um, have you ever been crying and laughing? Very weird sensation. But I think something that really helps me and that might help other people, especially dealing with imposter syndrome and rejection sensitivity syndrome, is just try to inflate your own ego. Um, I know that, like, it seems like, especially here, I mean, it seems like we've got a really good group of people where, like, you know, we're, we're all pretty confident with what we do, but we're not out here going, well, I've written the best book on role playing as My Little Pony ever. Um, you know, it's a whole team of awesome people who worked on it. But maybe just sit down and maybe try to look at your work from the other perspective. Maybe be like, you know what? I'm great. This is great. This is going to be awesome. I'm so excited to show this. I can't wait for the editor to give me feedback on it. And you know what? I bet the person who buys this in the local store, they're going to love it too. And sometimes, you know, we all joke about faking it till you make it. Sometimes you really do just have to fake it in your head internally. And obviously don't let it become a lifestyle. I mean, don't become the, the gamer bro that's talking crap about other people's work and only talking about the good parts of your work. But sometimes, maybe just for a hot second, assume that you're your parallel universe self. You know, like with Star Trek, the mirror universe. Um, imagine you put on your best gold sash uh, and your very stylish hip dagger and be like, you know what? No, I am great. And this is going to be great. Everyone's going to be excited. And sometimes. That also helps me. Sometimes just being like, hey, I'm, I'm reasonably competent. This will be the most reasonably competent test book I've ever worked on. Um, sometimes that's enough. And then I'm able to just calm down, look at it, and be like, no, like I will get this done. And then boom. Um, will that always work? Will that work for everyone? No. Like I said, there's always a million outside factors. But sometimes you just, you know, it's nice to pretend. Like, it's nice to, to sit down and relive the moments when, like, uh, winning a Judge's Choice Emmy. Sometimes I relive those moments, and I'm like, no, I am really good. I am really great. And I know that probably sounds horrifically, like, you know, egotistical, but sometimes I've just got to let myself pretend, because if I don't, then my internal demons will just be like, they'll just keep kicking me on down. And I think that's actually kind of a really healthy expression at times, to look in the mirror and say, hey, no, I am great. And obviously, don't let it become self-destructive. Don't uh, let it be your personality. I've seen a lot of people in the gaming industry who kind of come in as like a character, and they never they never stop being the character. And that character gets really obnoxious after a certain point. But just mm. you know, if you ever doubt yourself, just always be like, you know, hey, I'm great. And I guarantee you that nine times out of ten, that answer will always be correct. And that you are great, and you're in. You should be here. Um, and I, I remember actually when you mentioned Craig earlier. I, I remember when he mentioned how someone told him he had no career in game design, 
and that blew my mind because I thought, is this the same Craig Campbell we're talking about? Where Craig's got like a whole bunch of really cool games. Um, he made a bunch of little tiny games too that like emulate famous TV shows. Like I played a one shot of what we do in Shadows using his um, his little vampire game, um, which name I'm blanking on. I'm sorry, Craig. Everybody go to Craig's website or drive through. You can find Craig's work, but it's a fun game and it captures the the plot of what we do in Shadows extremely well. And it's just amazing how in this industry we can go, we can just tell people who have a lot of potential that they're not great. And yeah, just it's a struggle. Like, especially when you see your friends, like, you know, like I have a lot of anxiety when people pick on Craig and then I'm like, oh no, no, you will not pick on Craig. Die laughing is a tremendously fun game. And it's it's just so weird how we need to like the biggest, I don't want to say enemy, but it's true. The biggest enemy we have to deal with at times is ourselves. And our mind, and that's the most difficult one to fight, because you know my brain's not going to step out, and, like engage me in fisticuffs, you know. But uh, that would make it so much easier. If I could be in shape. But um, yeah. It's funny. Hearing you talk, it just it's sometimes you have to cosplay your successful self. Mm-hmm. I said sometimes it's the people who are the worst individuals on the planet, and they just have so much confidence, like certain politicians who won't be named, but the confidence that they have to just, you know, just never doubting themselves for a second. And then I will literally pull up to a fast food window and I will have to check my order several times before I even speak. And they'll be like, yeah, what do you want? Oh, even though I've come to this restaurant like every week since I've been born, I suddenly don't know what I want. <laughs> and, you know, it'll be like, no, it's spicy crispy chicken sandwich. Meal. That's what I want. It's what I came here for. Why am I second guessing the order now? I think looking at it a bit like just looking at a a description of the rejection sensitivity disorder, I think the thing is is that I guess the difference is that on the one hand, imposter syndrome is rooted in you you you're you're in some respects you you emotionally are quite rational in what you'll when you're thinking looking at your work but you're being overly critical but i think that requires a certain degree of rationality in how you're approaching things and and thinking without to, almost maybe without so much that it then induces the emotion whereas i think the rsc seems to come from from the emotion first from looking at it because and then that likely, you know, because that seems to cover a, a multitude of things beyond just, are you good at doing work? It seems to be, are you embarrassed in front of people, like standing up in front of people and, and social situations? So I think clearly it seems like RSD mostly can present itself through different things to end up giving you what, you know, so that you suffer from what we would call imposter syndrome, but it's re- but it's rooted somewhere else. Um, so I guess there's an element of cold-hearted rationality with how to tackle imposter syndrome, assuming you're not suffering from R- RSD. Um, that's a good start. But then also, yeah, be a bit irrational in the sense of like you know you look at your work, be realistic about your work, but also. As Kennedy said, like, you know, everyone lies on their CVs all the time. Like, and again, this is another huge thing going back to, again, talk about academia. Oh, my God. Right. If you write science papers, you're always like, 
we discovered this. We believe this is is what is happening. You always have to say we believe. We 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 suggest this is going on. We think this. Not like this is the thing. We know it to be this. There's it's very passive because you're trying to present a theory that you're not trying to say something so grandiose that someone's going to tear it down. And the problem is, and I've then myself and my partner have edited friends' CVs and cover letters for jobs. And I have learned this in job applications. Unfortunately, creative writing helps you a lot with this. When it comes to writing for job applications, you have got to go, no, I can do this. You want to employ me because I'm already doing this. You've got to be, and that, that element of forcefulness, again, measured amounts of it, is useful both with how you approach how you consider your own work, how you compare yourself to other people's work, how you can compare your work versus people who are critical of it. Well, if they're critical of it, great. But are they actually, can they write? I haven't seen their body of work. Then jog on. You're one of a, a few people who are the vocal mi minority. And then also, it's good to foster that element of confidence because, again, when you get into a public setting at conventions and talking to people about about your work then they'll go okay they like working on this stuff they they are confident about their work they're confident they can deliver on time will you know grab them for the next project so yeah believing yourself is important it's just yeah you know has to be a measured degree of it don't let it get out of hand i think Writing in general demands finding a way to really deal with the with rejection sensitivity because rejection sensitivity is oddly it it strikes me as something that's about you you're being rejected and as soon as you make it about the writing it's I'm not being rejected my work is being rejected and um. You you have to find a way, I imagine, um, to kill off those fears that, or those feelings that you're the one who's being rejected. Because you, I can't imagine anyone being able to genuinely survive in a writing field like that if if that's if that's how they feel if they feel that it's me being rejected and not the work and it just it just makes me kind of kerfluffled thinking about it i think yeah and i think like those who who have rejection sensitivity dysphoria um i feel it is it is it is different in the um like the shift in perspective right like um rejection sensitivity dysphoria i feel comes from a place of um your um being rejected outright rather than you don't belong um and i i do not want to invalidate uh it both like both of those feelings are extremely valid especially if you're feeling them in the moment um it's just it's we're more trying to to figure out you know like to discuss like the two different places of of where those come from and how best to deal with them 
Um, and so, yeah, like, it, it's very, very hard to kind of pull them apart because it's different for everybody. But at the same time, um, and and some of the same things will apply to help kind of get over that. But at the same time, um, the this where it stems from can be very, very different. Um, so um, it's a lot of self-reflection and taking a look at yourself and where your feelings are coming from um, and and kind of piecing it from there. And like I said before, like you can go back and forth between the two of them. You can have both of them at the same time. All of those are very, very valid. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like know that like you still have a place within writing if you're if you have rejection sensitivity dysphoria, and you know you absolutely still do belong here. So. <laughs> Um, we're going to go and we're going to kind of move on. And I, I, uh, you guys all kind of touched a little bit upon like how to combat imposter syndrome. Um, so I'm not going to add my stuff until the end, my thoughts on this, because I want you guys to be able to have those points and everything like that. And then I'm going to talk about some of the things that I've been told and kind of have helped me. So, uh, who would like to go and start with that? Oh man. Uh well, like I said, sometimes I like to just role play. Imagine that I'm a, you know, a confident per person. Uh you know, I've shared a lot of petty things. I'll share some more. Um sometimes I go back to old books I've worked on and I reread old reviews. I mean, you know, I, I always appreciate, you know, like learning what people think of my books. And I've had my fair share of bad reviews in some books. But then there are times when I'm like, I'll truly doubt the process and I'll doubt what I'm doing. And then I just go back and read when, you know, like when a book was a real big hit, like I'll reread old posts about Star Trek adventures when that came out. Uh, Cause that was incredible. It was incredible to get to be there to work on that moment in like Trek and history for Star Trek adventures. Um, and sometimes I just kind of grab onto it. Just, I, and it helps. And I acknowledge that, you know, it might not be the healthiest thing to to read old reviews constantly. Um, I am definitely a person who's guilty of doom scrolling, where I'm like, oh, man, it's a whole post of people making fun of people like me. I really shouldn't read the comments, but I'm gonna. And my brain just sometimes it works better when I'm able to just be like, hey, remember that time when everybody congratulated me on getting to work with on, um, like, when I first started working with Onyx Path? Let's reread that old Facebook post. And, you know, and it's just, I think we always focus on like the negative parts of human behavior. We always like, especially our own. And sometimes, you know, as long as it doesn't become a habit, sometimes it's good to just kind of let ourselves feel amazing, to let our egos go up. And, you know, the world will, will check you really quickly. Like if I made a post right now on Facebook that said, world's greatest game designer, everyone else sucks, I guarantee you, Within minutes, everybody would be like, oh, what about this person, this person, this person? And, you know, they'll all be amazing. But then there are just times when it's just you and the world's not, not even there. Like, if it's just you at home in your apartment and let yourself be the, the queen bee of writing. Let yourself, you know, for a moment, let yourself be the most incredible game designer ever. 
even if that never leaves the, the confines of your apartment, just feel good, I guess is what I'm going for. Like, the world will do its, its share in bringing you down. So maybe just feel good and enjoy it. And, you know, when all said and done, you know, once the book is finally wrapped and it's out into people's hands, it's out of your hands anyways. So the best thing you can do is just try your best uh, during the process and try to get the book to where it needs to be. And I know like what, you know, everyone else has talked about a lot. If you're part of a team, you were selected to be there. And you're not going to be letting your teammates down. Like, um, you were if you were chosen to compete on a team, you were chosen. Like, live that up. Be like, yeah, I beat out all these other candidates. And the team will be very will also want you to succeed. So, you know, your editors and developers will be very quick to be like, hey, that thing you submitted, it's not quite what I needed. Um, but yeah, just sometimes just live it up, enjoy it. Um, and if you truly are the worst writer ever, then you'll never get picked to be on any teams in the first place. So, so I picked up a habit from a friend of mine on Facebook who has a lot of anxiety and other mental issues. And when she was feeling most stressed, she would literally just post a list of everything she had gotten done that day. So I have evolved that into first of all you'll be surprised you got more than you realize done i mean sometimes just taking a shower is an accomplishment and you can list it as one absolutely sometimes just uh, you know doing a little bit of research is an accomplishment because it's something you need for that project so i on my calendar will actually write down specifically what i have gotten done in a day. Um, I like to make lists and cross it out. Uh, but every month I have, you know, I finished this project. I wrote this book. I read this many books. I cleaned this much of my house, you know, whatever, anything that made me feel accomplished. And then the second thing that I do is I have also, as I've been a part of different communities and Take it in different media online. Uh, I have managed to get a hold of, you know, screenshots of Neil Gaiman talking about his imposter syndrome. And so I keep those and I have a folder of those or good things people have said about me, good reviews and stuff. And I'll just go through that folder and I'll just read it. And here's these things people have said about me, things they've enjoyed about my work. And here's these things that people I admire have been through the same feelings I I have. And it's just really, all of that is really validating. And generally speaking, by the time I go through my list of things I have accomplished and my list of good things that people have said about me or other people who also experience insecurity or imposter syndrome, usually I'm pretty fired up and I'm ready to get some work done. I can fix it later. As long as I just get it down now. Um, yeah, I have to agree. Like, you know, um, there's, there's not much more to add. Like, you know, it's just kind of uh, sometimes just get work done is kind of the thing. Like, even writing bad stuff is better than writing none. 
you know, once you've got stuff on the page, you can go back and edit it. Uh, I do that all the time. Um, and it's just kind of sometimes it's just understanding that there are many other factors that are out of your control that will lead to you not getting the breaks. We've already talked about luck. It could be because of whatever's going on in the company, change of direction on things, uh, change of developer. You know, d let's be honest, developers have favorites, people they turn to who they you know they can get work out of. Um, and that can lead to you not getting picked up for a couple of books on a particular line because that's just how it is. It's not actually anything in particularly personal. It's just how developers work. And that's, you know, it's that's how this industry operates, really, is uh, that kind of trust, that level of trust with writers that mm -hmm. someone has in their kind of um, portfolio, as it were. So, yeah, I think... I think there's. I think the other thing is, and I, I find this obviously help. Clearly, is has helped with imposter syndrome. Is if you do get into doing, you know, not everyone wants to do this, obviously, with writing, but like with things like podcasting or streaming or or blogging, that those doing those things are useful for a creating kind of a treadmill of just getting something out there again proving you can do the work at your own pace maybe uh but also there are other avenues for showing that you know your stuff and can develop your confidence that the fact that you can talk about it in ridiculous depth whatever the, the topic or thing is so all of those things i find help with addressing that imposter syndrome by actually having documented evidence you know your stuff um as well as obviously looking at reviews and and feedback um yeah yeah i like i've like i said i've talked about this for a while now and i've had i've gotten a lot of really good advice from a lot of different people some of it works for me some of it doesn't some of it um works in certain points for my brain and some of it just doesn't um but one of the the biggest things that i was given was that um i struggle with talking about my accomplishments accomplishments about things and um that comes from a place of being told oh well you should be you shouldn't brag about yourself you shouldn't brag about the things that you do and there's a difference between bragging or and talking about the things that you have accomplished in a way that is both productive but also shows and demonstrates that you know what you're talking about um <laughs> and uh so uh, one of the things that I've done to, to kind of trick my brain, and I still try to do this as much as I can, is to talk about your projects in the context of your team. So, like, for the longest time with PIP System, um, like, I'm, I was not the lead developer for the PIP System core book. I was one of the writers. Um, and, but I still talk about the core book in, in aspect of the team, and I try to tag the team if I'm ever talking about it um, as much as I can. Um, with the PIP primers, I talk, I try to tag as many of the writers as I can on social media and talk about it from a team aspect because those wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that team. And it is a way for me to talk about the things that I am proud of, 
but also get around the fact that my brain is like, no, you shouldn't be bragging about yourself. This is not good. Um, because it's now me and everybody else on the project and not just me. Um, and so that's really helped me to be able to confidently talk about the things that I've worked on, but it also helps all of the other writers. Um, because now they are also getting their voices out. They may not be on social media or they may not be the best at social media or they don't like to talk on social media. Um, and so helping to get them out there as well is also very helpful. Um, some of the other things is um, supporting other writers, whether you worked on projects with them or not. Um, I feel like when you are supporting others within the community, you are now becoming a part of that community and community helps. Um, and so when you feel connected, especially since we are mostly remote, feeling connected with other people and promoting the stuff that they do, um, even if you have no stake in it, it whether it's successful or not, um, can help you feel more a part of something bigger and i feel like that personally has helped me um as well and then the other thing too um that uh i i have been told and um please take this with i am coming at this as a perspective of a woman is that i should conduct myself with the confidence of a mediocre white man <laughs> Uh, and, and like, there are people who have not had as many accomplishments as I have who are out there promoting themselves as way bigger of a deal than I do myself. Um, and that's kind of helped me with conventions. Like, conventions is where I feel that the most. At, at a convention, I have to be extremely confident in myself because otherwise they will tear me down <laughs> in panels and workshops and stuff like that. Um, so those are all of the things that, that I have been told that have kind of helped me. Um, the one thing I, I'm going to try, though, is I have a whole bunch of crowns. So when I'm home alone and I'm writing and I cannot, like, Kennedy, that was great. I'm like, I'm going to wear a crown when I write. Because I think that would be awesome. <laughs> It works. I mean, it really does. <laughs> All right. Um, we are coming up at the end of our show. And um, so um, what I would like for everyone to do is um, I'm going to go around and everyone is going to um, share either like the biggest takeaway that they've learned or something that they want others that like that's the most important part that you want other people to take away from this. Okay. So, and then we'll go into um, everybody's social medias and all of that fun stuff. So, um, who would like to go first? The bane of every creative is being asked if he wants to go first. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I'll go. Um, so, um, I learned, like, I always learn how, you know, other people go through what I go through. And it's, it's I know it's, it seems weird, that, like, you know, talking about imposter syndrome for at great lengths, but, you know, learning how other people experience it is always what interests me the most and learning what also people's little, like little micro triggers might be. And I, again, it's something that I think that I've learned in 20 years that I think might be helpful um, is really just 
at the end of the day, it's all words on a page. And it's all up to the reader to take whatever we write, whatever we draw, whatever we edit. They're the ones that are going to be determined if it's great. And like, just like how like I've had friends who will tell me, yeah, I really hated Guardians of the Galaxy. Worst movie of the MCU by far. And I'll just be shocked because I'm like, how can that be a true statement? But just when it comes to writing, you know, like you might fire on all cylinders and put out your best work and someone hates it. You might struggle to get something past the line and someone will love it. And so I guess just what I learned from my fellow writers is that it's a very nebulous business saying that, you know, going up against your own head and trying to win, but it can be done. And I think everybody needs that hope. Like, you know, like they say, you know, lack of hope is the real death of us all. Um, it really is just, you know, what I've learned from like other people. It's just like, like, you know, with like Chris, cause I'm more familiar with Chris's work. Um, just the fact that you have an incredibly challenging day job. And then you're also creating all these awesome hits. And then we, we streamed together. We were in a, an Iron Kingdoms game for a while. And so just knowing that, like, you know, you experience the same hurdles that I go through really helps me with understanding, like, hey, you know, like, uh, there's a chance for me, you know, that I can, I can, you know, beat my own demons and create stuff. And it's, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, that I'm not going to be, working on My Little Pony this weekend and frustrated and throwing, like, I have a little beanbag that I throw at the wall sometimes, you know, just because I try to get it to bounce back at me. Um, um, this whole podcast, I'm just incredibly childish and churlish, and that's me. But, um, no, it's just knowing that other people go through what I go through, and it may take a thousand more of just talking to people and realizing that other people go through what I go through, and it's very normal to have imposter syndrome. But there'll be times when I'll succumb to it and just be like, no, I am objectively the world's worst creative person on the entire planet. And again, it's just the next day, it's, hey, you got to pick up that thing and you got to put it to paper. Somebody is wanting you to write these words and it's up to you to do it. And, and you know, there's always hope. I mean, um, I'm able to do it. And I know that, um, and I've had a lot of help to get there too. Like we talked about teams earlier and a great team is just phenomenal. But yeah, so uh, I guess just what I'll, I'll say to people out there who listen to this podcast, what you know, I people have told me, you know, it's like I believe in you, like I believe that you you're all great writers, and we're all going to do amazing things together. Awesome, thank you very much. Um, okay, who is next? What did I learn from this? It's it's always validating to hear that other people feel the same way that I do. Um, it always helps to know that other people struggle too, because then I don't, I don't feel alone. I guess the biggest thing that I have learned from this is, you know, there's a huge difference between writing a book, a novel on your own and writing in the role-playing community where like Crystal said, everything is a team. And there's just such an amazing sense of community here in the role-playing writing field that there you don't always find everywhere else and that's a really valuable thing and that is probably why i find myself drawn more and more to that community awesome all right chris um uh, i'm trying to think um it's because it's late here my brain is mostly crapped out and said a lot um Yeah, I think it's just it's just clear that it doesn't matter what where you come in with writing, it's 
everyone yeah, generally experiences it at some point to a lesser degree lesser or greater degree and it is going to hit us all case of of talking about it and i think um and it's good that i guess there is more people talking about it and maybe while social media in this day and age is is a blight in some respects by creating a false sense of reality out there that the fact is also thanks to social media we also learn the fact that we can actually talk about this because i don't know how much of this was ever spoken about back in you know the early 2000s or even before then so um and it's just kind of reach out and you know people all, all you know likely have the same experiences and reinforce that you are you are actually doing the right things um and i think just you know just generally just write yeah so essentially just uh you know reach out and people have advice and the best thing to prove that you are not an imposter is just to keep writing just get stuff out there whether it's self-published or on it on your blog or or even if you're trying to get into gaming do you know, do if you like streaming obviously or podcasting maybe also look at those are a great way of kind of getting away from the writing but still exploring what you love in a different medium uh podcasting is like you know everyone seems to do it but yeah just explore it that way and also just play some games that's the other thing just like you know find other ways to get away from from the thing that is seemingly your barrier to producing the the work um okay so i think my biggest takeaway and i think this the whole point of this whole podcast series is that um it you're part of a community and whether you're playing games whether you're just a fan and collect games because let's be honest how many kickstarters have we back where we're never going to play the game but the art was really cool way too many (laughs) um so like whether whether you're there whether you have imposter syndrome about getting started into writing whether you're curious about writing whether you're just getting started whether you're in there and just struggling with this you are all part of this community and we have all been in your shoes at some point and we have all done very similar things um including backing many, many Kickstarters where we're never going to play the game, but the the whole, the art is just so pretty or the concept is just so cool. Um, and so, like, just know that you have people out here who support you and are willing to help, um, you know, support you um, or promote your things, you know, reach out, make connections. Um, that's the the glory of social media is that you can connect with people over long distances. Um, Okay. So we are going to wrap this up. So I would like for everybody to share their social medias where people can find you. Um, And let's go. I'm going to say, I'm just going to go right down the line as to what we have. So Kennedy, you're up first. (laughs) Uh, Hey, you can find me uh, most places. uh, My, my game, tag my twitter handle a lot of the places uh, that i use for fans is jk myth um 
And if you ever want me to just post what I think to be some really, really good meme content, that's my Twitter account. But every so often I will talk about game design and politics. Um, and yeah, that's just where to find me. And um, I'm also on um, a couple of live streams. The most recent one is The Voyages Of with the uh, Rook and Rasp crew, uh, where we play Star Trek Adventures. And I get to play a uh, lovely uh, Saurian doctor who uh, really is trying to learn how people work and is complaining at all times about being too cold on the ship. Amazing. All right, Chris? Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Chris underscore Ether. So that's Chris with a K, though. So K-R-I-S underscore E-T-H-E-R. Uh, obviously, you can also find me on... Uh, you can follow everything on Dark Days Radio, of course. Uh, so that's uh, www.darker-days.org. Uh, my personal uh, website is uh, uh, Christopher-Handley.com, I say. I don't even know my own website. Yeah, that's the one. It's Dash, yeah. Uh, obviously, from those, you'll find links to other things like Instagram and stuff, because if I'm not writing and I'm not playing games or podcasting then I am painting toy soldiers I've not streamed anything of late because I have been busy and in a hectic last six months I would like to get back into streaming games but you're just gonna have to just gonna have to bloody wait for that um yeah so that's everything I uh, my website is michellelee.net and if there is a social media that I'm on, I am the other Michelle Lee. I'm not the famous one. I'm the other one. Awesome. And uh, so my personal um, social media is you can follow me at most social media for Body and Soul 152. You can also find links to all of my social media at thegeekypanda.com. Um, okay, so I want to thank Darker Days Radio for hosting this podcast series, and you can find all of their information. Um, you can email them at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash darkerdaysradio. All other social media is at darkerdaysradio. We're on Instagram, Tumblr, on Tabletop, YouTube, Twitch, and our Discord, um, which we'll all have links down there. So, um, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us, and we will see everyone later. Bye.